Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Genesis? We're almost about to conclude our study in the book of Genesis. And we're coming to the 46th chapter of the book of Genesis. Remember last Sunday we talked about of how Joseph's brothers had been found out about according to their sins that happened 25 years ago. And there that they had taken their younger brother, threw him in a pit, sold him to some Ishmaelites. They carried him on down to Egypt. And you remember that they took a wild animal and took the blood of that animal and placed it upon his coat, went back to their father, Jacob, and said that he had been killed by a wild animal. And now a famine has come. A famine that literally brought them back to Egypt 25 years later. And there Joseph began to uh, recognize his brothers, even though they did not recognize him. And there that Joseph went and began a series of tests to see whether these brothers have uh, come to a point of humility and brokenness and conviction over their sins. Now we come to the 46th chapter. And we find that there is a reunion that is taking place. Joseph has forgiven his brothers. And there he begins to, wants to be able to see his father. And to be able to be reunited once again. When I thought about that story, it reminded me of a story that I had heard long time ago. There was a young boy in Liverpool, England. He was out just strolling along the beach one day. And as he was strolling along the beach, he decided that he would go swimming. And so he took his garments off and there just in his underwear, he goes out into the water and began to swim. Little did he realize that the current was very strong that day. And they took that, I mean, that current began to take him further and further and further and further away. Until finally he was out where the ships were. And so there was a ship that was coming from or going to Dublin, Ireland. They retrieved the little boy, put him on the uh, uh, ship, gave him some clothes, and there they began to make their way back to Dublin. In the meanwhile, there was a man that came along, and he happened to notice the clothing there on the side of the, of the, of the beach. He picks up the clothing, and he begins to thumb through the clothing, and he... Notice the name that's on a piece of paper and address of this person. And he thought, this young man must have no doubt have drowned. Sadly, 
he makes his way to find the parents of this little boy. And he goes and knocks on the door and he says, I am sorry to say that undoubtedly your son must have drowned. This are the clothing that I have found on the beach. Well, the father was devastated. The mother was hilarious. And she begins to cry and weep as well as with the father. Over the next couple of days, they began to to plan a memorial service for that little boy. Well, in the meantime, that little boy had made his way on that ship to Dublin. They put him on another ship and brought him back to Ireland. Or brought him back to Liverpool, England. And as on the very day that they were going to have the memorial service for that little boy, he knocks on the door. Can you imagine As they opened that door, and for three days they had been crying and grieving and expressing their grief to one another, and they opened the door, and there's little Tom standing there. Well, you can almost imagine that the mother comes and the father comes, and they began to embrace him, and they began to love upon him, and began to rejoice. I thought about, they thought he was lost, but now he's been found. Can you imagine, that must have been like what happened to Jacob when he realized the very fact that his son that he had grieved for for 25 years, the Bible says that he looked upon Joseph as his favorite. And for 25 years, he had grieved. And for 25 years, he had cried with a broken heart, thinking and realizing that his favorite son has died. Let's look at the story. There in Genesis chapter 45, verse 16. Stand with me as we read these verses together. What a beautiful, beautiful story as you began to read this story. It says, now the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house saying, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Do this, load your animals and depart, and go to the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your household, and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat the fat of the land. Now you are commanded, do this. Take carts out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives. Bring your father and come. Also, do not be concerned about your goods. For the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. And the Bible goes on to say, And the sons of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them carts or wagons 
according to the command of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for the journey. He gave to all of them, to each man, changes of garment. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. And he sent to the father these things, ten donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and food for the father for their journey. So he sent his brothers away. And they departed. And he said to them, See that you do not come become trouble along the way. Then they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive. And he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. But when they told him of all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. Then Israel said... It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. And I will go and see him before I die. Well, we're going to stop there for the sake of time. Father, thank you for your word. And we pray, Father, that you will bless the preaching and the teaching of your word. And pray, Father, that you will not only anoint the messenger, but you will anoint the receiver. And Father, we ask that you will bless and move among us for the glory and for the praise of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want you to look at three different aspects here today. And I have kind of brought my message around the hearts of these people. First of all, I want you to notice as you think about these brothers of a forgiven heart. A forgiven heart. Now, can you imagine for 25 years they have been wrestling with guilt? For 25 years, conviction upon their life? That they had told their father that He was killed, which was nothing but a blatant lie. They had stolen the life away from their brother Joseph. And now, Joseph forgives them. Joseph embraces them. Joseph loves them. Joseph begins to say, bygones are bygones. And what you have done in the past have been forgiven and forgotten. When I thought about that story, I thought about my life. In my early 20s, I had grown up in the church. I became a Christian when I was at the age of 12. And... 
there in my early 20s for some unknown reason, except by the flesh and Satan the world, I drifted far, far away from the Lord. And in my early 20s, I not only drifted away from the Lord, but I found myself involved in sin. Sin that I had no business being a part of. And those two or three years, I became a very miserable, miserable person. See, the Bible tells us there was, there's pleasure in sin for a season. And so I was experiencing pleasure for a while. But then the Holy Spirit of God began to convict and chasten my heart and my life to the point that God took me to the woodshed. I'll never forget it. It was as real as the day that I came to know the Lord as my Savior. And I'll never forget that Thursday afternoon going to my pastor's house and crying and wanting to get right with God. There around that altar, I found myself trying to bargain with God. And, and say, God, I, I need you to forgive me, but uh, uh, I'm not sure if I want to be totally sold out to you. Until the point that God broke me and brought me to the point and place of brokenness and confession. And I'll never forget that when I began to pray that prayer of repentance and claiming 1 John 1, 9, asking the Lord to forgive me and to cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness, I want you to know I felt like that there was a mountain that had rolled off of my heart. Have you ever been there? I think so. There's probably many of us could give testimony that we find find ourselves in sin. And yet, when we began to come to the point of place of repentance and asking forgiveness, that God rolls the, the sins away, I find that, oh, what a happy day that was. Oh, what a happy day when Jesus washed away my sins. Praise the Lord that He is not only powerful and willing to save us, but He is willing and powerful enough not to allow us to continue into sin. He loves you too much to keep you In sin, my friend, He chastens you, He challenges you, He convicts you. And therefore, because the Bible says He loves you. Here, as you began to notice in this passage of Scripture, that that these guys were forgiven. And it seemed like, not only in Joseph's life, but in my life, it seemed like the moment that I came to a point of place of repentance that I wanted to serve the Lord. 
I had a desire of wanting to do something. And and what God was doing, he was getting me right in order to prepare me for the calling of God upon my life. I see that quite ha- happening quite often. Is that when a person begins to get his heart and his life right, that immediately he wants to serve. That's exactly what happened to Joseph's uh, brothers. Salvation leads into service. And oh, how beautiful it is to know that when God calls us, that he has called us for a place and for appointment to be fulfilled in bringing glory and honor to his life. So, I want you to notice what happens. I want you to notice, go back to look at 17 and through verse 24 of the tasks that they were called to. Their forgiven land was introduced to them to a bounty of all of Egypt, the Bible says. They were to go back to the rest of the family and get the father and the rest of the family and bring them to Egypt. I think about that. When God gets a hold of our lives and when he begins to cleanse us and he begins to call us and he begins to direct us, that that immediately there is a hunger and a desire of wanting to go back to our families and to go back to our friends and go back to our neighbors and bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember I began to witness like I had never witnessed before. I began to share my faith with my friends that I had never shared with before. And I saw people come to know the Lord like I had never seen before. And what had happened, God had to get me right in order to be able to fulfill that calling upon my life. That's exactly what happened in Joseph's brother's Oh, I hope you understand. Doing the will of God is one of the most important things that you could ever do. And it's God's will that we all share the good news of the gospel. Lyman Beecher, a great, great theologian and preacher. Someone asked him, says, What do you consider the greatest thing that a human can do or be? Listen to what he says. He says the greatest thing is not that one should be a scientist, as important as that is, nor that he should be a statesman, vastly important as that is, nor even that one should be a theologian, immeasurably important as that is. But the greatest thing of all is for one human being to bring another human being to Christ Jesus the Savior. Amen? Amen. My friend, I want you to understand, that is the number one thing that we go and share the good news of the gospel. So you see the task that they performed. They went back to their families. They went back to their friends. And they told them that Joseph was alive. And that God had 
bless them in the order to bring them now to Egypt. But I want you to know it's not only the task that they performed, but the truth that was proclaimed. Look in verse 25. Listen to what the Bible says. They went up out of Egypt and they came to a land of Canaan to Jacob, their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is alive. He is governor over all the land of Egypt. (laughs) And the Bible said, Jacob's heart stood still. Because he did not believe them. His heart stood still. Do you know and do you realize that the greatest message that we've got is that Jesus is alive and well? And my friend, to think about the opportunity to tell somebody that he is alive and he is well and that he wants to become Savior and Lord of their life. Oh, friend... The Bible says that, and I couldn't help kind of chuckle when Jacob had heard the good news. He didn't believe them. He thought it was a dirty joke. I can almost be reminded of the story of the day that Jesus was crucified. And the Bible says that he was placed in in a tomb for three days. And then, of course, you remember Mary and the two Marys go back to the tomb. And, and of course, the, the, the stone has been rolled away. And that she comes running to Peter, James, and John and said, He's not here. He's risen. He's alive. Can you imagine that news coming to the hearts and the lives and the minds of these disciples. They had seen him crucified. They had seen him die. They would seen him and heard him say, It is finished. But to come back and to know that he's alive. And can you imagine that day when they actually saw him? Can you imagine... How thrilling that would have, that was of that day. That when they saw the resurrected Lord. He's alive. He's alive. Oh, my friend. I want you to understand what a thrilling, thrilling statement. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 is one of my favorite verses of scriptures. It says, Therefore he who is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So, we've looked at the forgiven heart. We see that in the heart and the lives of their brothers. But I want you to look at something else. I want you to see at Jacob's heart. And that is, I brought it around to the point of looking at of the fainting heart. What a glorious truth that his son is now alive. Now, 
You must understand that uh, Jacob had lived a very dis- as a very discouraged man for 25 years. He was heartbroken. He was heartbroken. And when they came back and told him that Joseph was alive, it was devastating. The Bible goes back in, in Genesis chapter 37, verse 34. It says that when they received the news, when he received the news 25 years earlier, that Joseph was killed. The Bible says that he rent his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and mourned for days upon days. And then the Bible says there in Genesis chapter 37 verse 35 that he continued to mourn and grieve over the death of Joseph. Jacob never got over it. Jacob never got over his mourning. Possibly you are sitting there today and maybe a loved one, a child, Maybe a husband, maybe a wife, maybe someone that's been very close to you that have died and you have been heart stricken for years over that matter. And you just seem like you just cannot get over it. It seems like that you constantly deal with that mourning in your heart. Well, my friend, I want you to understand what happens to Jacob here. The Bible says that in Genesis chapter 45 verse 26, and Jacob's heart fainted for he believed them not. His heart stopped beating. It's almost as if that it was it missed a beat. He thought it was like a sick joke. Something had taken the winds out of him. So you see that he was a very discouraged man. But my friend, I want you to understand, we as believers, we've got a blessed hope. We as believers know that when a loved one passes away, that, friend, that they've gone on a journey, and one day we too can go on that journey. And one day we will be with that person. And so... Yes, there is that time of discouragement. But oh, I want you to look at the second aspect of this, of this fainting heart. A delighted man. Not only a discouraged man, but he was a very delighted man. The Bible says in chapter 45, verse 27. Listen to what the Bible says. But when they told him... All the words which Joseph had said to them. And when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. That ragged, torn, old soul of Jacob have now been revived. And now it has become a triumphant soul. Because of two reasons. First of all, because of the words of Joseph. The words. We read in Genesis chapter 45 verse 27. It says, and they told him all the words of Joseph. 
Words of proof, words of promise, words of provision. That's what's so special about this book, my friend. That Jesus gives us his word. And that as we study the word of God and we hide the word of God in our heart. And as we digest the word of God, that he begins to encourage us. Haven't you found it so meaningful in the days of some of the greatest discouraged days that you can pick up the word of God and to find words like this, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Find words like this that, that I'll be stick closer than a brother. Ah, Oh, my friend, I want you to understand these words that the Lord gives to us is something that we cherish. But then I want you to notice the wagons of Joseph. The Bible says in chapter 45, verse 27 and 28, it says, when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. Oh, friend, look at here. Joseph is alive. Can you imagine the scene that as they came there that day? There they brought all those royal wagons and chariots to pick up Joseph's father. I thought about that as I was watching the president as he was been on tour uh, overseas. And that, uh, that when he would get off of Air Force One, that, that there they would have the limousine, the special, special vehicle for the president of the United States of America. There was the insigma of United States of America Oh, no one else rides in that limousine except him. Well, my friend, what Joseph did, he sent his own limousine to go and pick up his father. Can you imagine? Now, I was reading just the other day, and over in Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible talks about that Solomon would give, or he gave 600 shekels of silver for one single chariot. Man, that was expensive. And then he also gave 150 shekels of silver for a single horse. The very best. And Joseph, sent the very best to pick up his father. Proof that he was now the governor of the land of Egypt. (laughs) My friend, if you get discouraged, I just want you to look around of all the proofs that the Lord Jesus Christ has given you of the blessings of his presence. Martin Luther He suffered from depression quite often. And one particular day he was suffering depression. And his wife comes into the uh, room and she's dressed in black. She has a black veil over her face. 
And Martin Luther looked at her and he says, what are you doing? She says, I'm mourning. He said, what are you mourning for? She says, because God is dead. He jumps up immediately and he says, God's not dead. She says, well, if he's not dead, why don't you start acting like it? Why don't you start acting like it? And I thought, oh my, so true. So true of how we can kind of move away and look at circumstances and fail to look at what God has done. I heard about a man by the name of um, Reverend Alfred Ackley. A-C-K-L-E-Y, Ackley. And one particular morning, as he was getting ready to go to church and began to preach, he was listening to the radio. And there, this radio announcer says, I've got great news. We've got a special speaker here today, a well-known speaker. And that he's going to come and he's going to deliver the Easter message. And so Reverend Ackley began to listen intently of the message of this man. And this is what the man said. Good morning, it's Easter. You folks, it really doesn't make any difference to me if Christ be risen or not. He said... As far as I am concerned, his body could be as dust in some Palestinian tomb. The main thing, his truth goes marching on. Ackley begins to jump up and down and he says, Liar! He has risen. How dare you get on the radio and say it doesn't matter. And that day, he went to church, and boy, I want you to know, he preached like he had never preached before of the risen Savior. He went back and he gave him a double dose that night, and he preached that we are serving a risen Savior. He's alive. His wife looked at him one day, and not long after that, and she said, why don't you do what you do best? With the message that you have, why don't you write a song? So he sits down at the piano and he begins to write this song. I think you will recognize it. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. Amen? Oh my, He's always near. Well, let's look very quickly at the one last thing. And that's the full heart. I began to see, as you go back in chapter 46... And verse 1 and 2, listen to what begins to take place as Jacob begins to arrive there in Egypt. 
So Israel took his journey with all that he had, and he came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of the father Isaac. And then God spoke to Israel in the vision of the night and says, Jacob, Jacob, and he says, here I am. Oh, friend, I want you to notice that two things took place. Immediately as they arrived, they began to sing songs of praise. Why are we here tonight, today? We're here to give praise to the Lord. We're here to worship Him. We're here to honor Him because He's alive. Because of His blessings that has given, that have been given to us. Why are we here today? We're here to glorify the name of the Christ that we serve. So you see that their desire was to praise. And then not only their desire was to praise, but their desire was to be in Joseph's presence. Look what the Bible says in verse 5 very quickly. The Bible says in verse 5, Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their fathers, their father Jacob, their little ones, and their wives in the carts which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. So they took their livestock and their goods which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, And went to Egypt. Jacob and all the descendants with him. His sons and his sons' sons. His daughters and his sons' daughters. And all of his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Their desire was to be in his presence. Oh my friend. My greatest desire is that every single time we come and we assemble, we bring our families together, we bring our loved ones together, we come to praise Him, but we desire to be in His presence. Every Sunday morning I give a welcome. And I welcome our visitors and our guests. But I want you to notice the greatest welcome that could be in your heart, in my heart, is thank you, Jesus, that you're here today. Because if he's not here, my friend, we might as well close this Bible, lock the doors and cut out the lights and go home. Be in his presence. And isn't it amazing, as the Bible says, as it says, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I just don't understand how someone can claim to be a Christian and never go to church. If I miss one Sunday because of sickness or because of some reason or another, my friend, I miss being at church. Amen. And I can't wait to get back. And so, friend, it just boggles my mind that people can stay out of church and not come to church. If they really recognize he's alive, they'll want to be in his presence, and they'll want to give his, their praise to him. Amen? Amen? Lord Jesus, thank you for your precious word. Thank you for the way that you've spoken to our hearts today. And now, dear Lord, this is a very special moment as individuals will begin to respond to what they have heard and what the Holy Spirit 
has spoken to them about. Father, I pray that there'll be no hindrances, there'll be no distractions. I pray, dear Lord, that if there's someone here today that maybe be a very discouraged person, that they might just come and gather around this altar and begin to experience your presence and expressing their praise. Jesus, you are alive. And I thank you for that. And I'm grateful for the fact that we have the good news of the gospel. And now, Lord, if there's someone here today that have never experienced you, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, there might be some here today that needs to come like those brothers did. Repent and confess and turn from their sins. There might be some here today that have accepted you and they need to make that acknowledgement there publicly. So, Lord, in your own special way, prepare the way. Some here today need to unite with this church by letter, by baptism, by statement. Lord, have thy own will and way in Jesus' name.